Hey, happy Father's Day. Glad you could join us today. And I want to start off because it's Father's Day with some dadisms, some dad laws, some dad jokes. Because this day's about dads in some ways, right? And we all know dads have their jokes. They have their certain shoes they like to wear, and they have their laws they like to live by. So here's some dad laws. Let's, let's check into this. Anytime a cashier has trouble scanning an item at the grocery store, the dad must say, I guess it's free then. Dad law. Whenever a dad is handed a restaurant bill, he must say, well, what's the damage before he looks at it? Anytime a dad ties down something onto his truck, he must pat it and declare, that's not going anywhere before he drives off. A dad by law must claim, it's not heavy, it's just awkward when carrying something obviously heavy. Dad law requires that if a child ever asks you to answer an imaginary telephone call, you take that call. And finally, it's dad law that dads are entitled to a dad tax of food, a bite from anything that is on the table, but usually a nugget or the bonus fries at the bottom of the bag. And, and then there's some dad jokes, and we know that dad jokes can just be, you could shiver from them, but here's a few of them. I was wondering why the Frisbee kept looking bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. Dad joke. Here's a great dad joke. Why did the scarecrow win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. Of course. I can hear the groans through the speaker. Here's the last one. Why is it so hard to tell pun jokes to kleptomaniacs? because they always take things, literally. Yeah, I know, Father's Day, it's a unique day. We can do this, right, once a year, here we are. And I wanna, I wanna say the same disclaimer I say at Mother's Day. Today, while we're giving some dad jokes, obviously, and talking about fathers, there'll be some mentions of that, you can be assured that God has something for you today, even if you're not a dad at all, that this message is not just for Father's Day, it's for all of us. Because there's something in God's nature, and there's plenty in God's word that has a lot to say about fatherhood, even if you're not a father, even if you're not a man. And I want to start by talking about God as the father. God the father. You, you, may have, you've, you had to have heard this statement before, God the father. But for many of us, when we, when we think of God... A father isn't something that comes to mind easily. You know, for some of us, when, when we're told to call God our father, it's actually a difficult idea to connect with. And there's a reason for that, a real reason. You see, I've been a pastor for decades, and, and time and time again I've seen something, and that's this, that our view of our heavenly father is greatly affected by our view of our earthly father. Our earthly fathers have more impact on how we view and how we engage our heavenly father than we would ever want to admit. Here's some reality, because I know we all have different experiences and different childhoods, but maybe you see yourself or find yourself in this, that for those who, whose dad was a perfectionist, we view God as one, someone who's wanting us to keep perfect compliance, perfect behavior, and there's this deep shame inside when, when we don't hit that high bar of perfection. For some, there was dads who were abusive in any different way, and the thought of being vulnerable to a heavenly father it, it can be quite scary. 
And in fact, opening up to a father figure, even a heavenly one, it can be difficult. Then there's those who had a, a dad who was apathetic, and our image of our heavenly father could be one who's, who's passive towards us, who, who, who doesn't actively pursue us and help us. Some have dads who are unaffectionate, and, and we have to really fight and work during those worship songs and those sermons about God's love because God didn't always seem so tender and available. And then there are those whose, whose dads were absent. And they struggled to view God as a, a father who's, who's present with them in the now. Struggled to view ourselves as, as worthy father. You know, my children, Elijah and Selah, my strengths and weaknesses as a dad will affect how they engage with God. And, and, and that was not in the fine print when I chose to have children. That's more responsibility than I ever knew I was signing up for. Overwhelmingly, our earthly fathers flavor our view of our heavenly father. And during our short time together today, listen, listen, we're not going to be able to, to get deep down into our past and our childhood and, and unlock those, those memories or those wounds with our dad. We're, we're not going to get to do all that. You see, whether you had a, a great dad or a, a difficult childhood or maybe you never even knew your dad, there, there's something I want you to hear today. And, and this is the bottom line. It's important. Here it is. God is not the reflection of your earthly father. God is the perfection of your earthly father. And so there's a lot of things about God the Father that we are attributing to him that we need to, to let go of. The truth is that God the Father is the perfection of fatherhood, something that many of us have, have never experienced Something else that's, fast, that's interesting, did you know that the spiritual view of God being my father is actually kind of a newer belief? In the Old Testament, before Jesus, God was not referred to as father the same way he is now. He was instead referred to as like the father of creation, the father of the nation. God was this universal, big father, but, but not really a, a personal, intimate father. In the Old Testament, God being a father was more metaphor. But when Jesus came along, he changed it from metaphor to a title. From, from a far-off father of our nation to a father much closer to our heart. Jesus arrives on the scene and, and he begins to reference God as God, this huge, vast, divine God. He, refu he refers to him as, as my father. It, it was unprecedented. It, 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 he personalized it. We don't realize just how revolutionary this is. It seems so small to us, but this would have been absolutely strange and out of the box for those in, in that culture of the Old Testament and the ancient cultures around it. It's kind of like I was talking to, um, to a group of people about football, and of course the Patriots came up and Tom Brady. And, you know, Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, future Hall of Famer. I've never met him. He's larger than culture, larger than life. And, and I say this, yeah, Tom, Tom Brady's a great quarterback. And, and this girl in the group says, my Tom? Well, he's the best. It was a little strange to have someone so far removed from somebody so famous refer to my Tom. 
God, far removed from the father of creation, far removed as the father of creation, suddenly referred to as, as my father. I mean, it would have been that awkward. It would have been strange. But Jesus, here he is speaking in Matthew 20, verse 50. He says, whoever does the will of, of my father in heaven will be my brother and my sister. I mean, what? Our nation's father, our world's creative father, you're calling him my father? Jesus, again, Matthew 10, 32. Whoever acknowledges me in life, I will acknowledge you to my father in heaven. I mean, can, can you imagine that? Some guy just comes on the scene and starts telling people about his dad and, and that his, his dad, the, the highest uh, deity that you worship, that's my dad. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him about you. John 8, 54, Jesus says, My father, the one that you call God, he glorifies me. The one you call God? Yeah, that's my dad. That's my father. But as if this wasn't far enough, Jesus does something even more incredible. He doesn't just call him, call God my father. He's talking to his followers, to us. And he says right here in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, you pray to your father. Like, he's not just my father, he's yours. Now, this, this was another step beyond. And again, they have this Old Testament God that is the father of creation, the father of the nation. And they're being told, like, like he's, he's yours. He's your father. Luke 12, verse 30, Jesus says, In this life, your father knows exactly what you need. It sounds like a father, doesn't it? Like, your dad knows what you need. We, we miss how strange this would have been. This would have been like the girl I mentioned earlier who said, My Tom, the Super Bowl quarterback, well, he's actually your Tom, too. I mean, I would have a real hard time engaging in that. Okay. And it's obvious as you read the account of Jesus in the Bible, one of the reasons he was crucified was because of this very fact of how he continually talked about my father, who's also your father. In fact, in John 8, Jesus gets into this huge debate with the religious leaders at the time on this very topic. And they're, show, they're so shocked, they're so appalled at his claims at, at my father that they pick up stones to kill him. The paradigm was being completely shifted. We don't know that now. We're like, oh yeah, God, our father, we're his children. But, but this was revolutionary. Jesus is flipping the script on centuries, generations of belief. God isn't just some big universe Universal remove father of all the nation and the world. God is intimate. He's present. He's father to me and he's father to you. I mean, if this is true, that means that, that you're his daughter. I can see them going through this in their mind at this time. If, if this is true, that means that I'm his son. I realize as I speak this that, that no one's mind is being blown. But you need to realize when Jesus was unpacking this in, in the Bible, those minds could find no solid ground. Minds were being blown left and right at this. I did research into the major religions, actually, down through the ages, and, and any deity being called father is actually very scarce at best. 
And most that refer to God as a father, it's accompanied by a bunch of other qualifiers, mother, grandfather, all these different things for the few that actually have anything to say about it at all. In fact, Islam and, and, and Judaism part ways at God being a father and how they treat that. Most major religions have nothing to say about the deity being our, our father. In fact, God isn't a father. I mean, think, think of the Greek gods back as an example. I mean, the last thing you wanted was Zeus as your dad. Like up there on the mountain where they're, you know, if, if, if you get on their radar, you're in big trouble. Zeus wasn't your father. You didn't want to be on his radar. In contrast, Jesus comes along and personalizes God and says, you're not just on, your heaven, on the heavenly father's radar. Like, like you're on his heart. We easily miss the revolutionary language here of Jesus calling God the Father. We, we, we miss the, the paradigm-shattering shift that he's taking place. That throughout the Old Testament, that the God, the Father of creation, and Jesus shows up and you mean, oh, oh you mean my, my dad? My father? Yeah, he sent me. And, and, if, and you can pray to him too as your father. To an ancient people used to having a priest or a rabbi or a guru or a shaman to pray for them, they would have been shocked when Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Father, who are in heaven, praise be your name. I mean, that prayer, revolutionary. Jesus didn't leave it at that. He takes it a huge leap past that. We have to skip forward to Jesus near the end of his ministry in Mark 14. He's near the end of his life, actually. Tomorrow he's going to be tortured and eventually crucified. And he's about to take the sin of the world on himself and drink the cup of wrath so that we don't have to. And he's there in the garden at night, the weight of this culmination upon him. And in Mark 14, 6, 36, Jesus cries out, Abba, Father. I mean, he comes along at his moment of deepest anguish and deepest need, and he calls out, Abba, Father. I mean, Abba. Abba is what we would have, we would understand as daddy, dada, papa. Jesus cries out to his daddy in this moment. That's what Abba means. It's the heart cry of a child who has an intimate relationship with their father. The word Abba is such a simple word, but with such sacred roots. The Hebrew word, the Hebrew root for it, for Abba is Ab, which means father, as in Abraham, Abraham, whose name means father of many nations. And this A-B connection, Ab, is most often the first utterance of an infant. Abba, Baba. Is, is often the first formed sequence that a baby says. And so to a, hung, a, young, Hebrew, a young Hebrew child jabbering, would mean in their language, da, 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 da. Interesting. I mean, Abba is often the first word that any child will ever say. But sadly, as we grow up, we never say it again. It seems as though we were created to say, Abba. Perhaps your first word was Abba. And you were never intended to stop saying that, even now. 
What does this mean? I mean, what, what difference does this make about God being the, the Father and us calling him Abba? What, what, what difference does this make? Well, J.I. Packer, a famous theologian and writer, puts it this way. You sum up the whole of the New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Father. If you want to judge how well you understand Christianity, find out how much you make of the thought of being God's child and having him as your father. Catch this. If this, is, if this is not the thought that prompts and controls our worship and prayers and our whole outlook on life, it means we do not understand Christianity very well at all. <laughs> I mean, this is foundational. Jesus came and, and started a revolution. And one of the hallmarks is how we view God because of him. And he invites us into this relationship with the Father that, that's so tender, so loving, so intimate, that you don't have to pray some, some special prayer and like that, that holy prayer voice. No. Like when you pray, you pray, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. But wait, there's more. Because Paul comes along and empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled by the Holy Spirit, he writes most of the Old Testament. And the Spirit of God, through Paul, doubles down on this idea of God being an intimate and loving dad. You see, once you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are adopted into his family. You receive the Spirit of God within you. And this changes you spiritually and fundamentally. And listen to how he describes it in Romans 8, 15. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child. And now you can call him Abba, Father. Like now, because of you've received Jesus and his spirit, you can call, now you can call him Abba, Father. On the other side of the cross, you can call the God of all creation like Dad. Abba. Paul goes on in Galatians 4, 6. He says, we are God's children. He has sent the spirit of Jesus into our hearts, prompting us to call out, as Jesus did, Abba, Father. Something from within you is prompted to call out for God in the most intimate of relationships. Perhaps that's why you don't feel too close to him sometimes. Because you were made to be prompted to, to call out, to engage with Abba. But it's, you're engaging with something far more distant. Perhaps you, you do call out for him in this way when, you, when your back is against the wall. But perhaps from time to time, moving forward, you can begin to listen to this prompt. It says that we are prompted to call out our Abba Father. We're prompted to call out for a, a more tender, more intimate relationship. And so perhaps you can stop praying fancy prayers to God and instead start praying honest prayers to Abba. The reality is that you are a beloved daughter, beloved son, and perhaps one of the most important life-changing paradigms you could ever wrap your heart and head around is that the God of the universe because of Jesus, he's your Abba Father. 
I, I didn't understand this until I had my own children. I, I couldn't fathom how much Abba loves me until I had kids that I loved. And when I knew he loved me more than that, it just blew me away. God's love blew my mind. There, and there's real tangible evidence of learning that, that God is Abba. We need this. You know, one thing I do every day as needed is, is affirm my love for my children. Amy and I both. You know, Selah, our four-year-old, she has the type of personality that wants to achieve. She wants to achieve things. And so she earns things and she can, I don't want her to grow up earning love. So I tell her daily, I say, Selah, I, I love so many things about you. And, and I'll even name off some of her accomplishments, much to her delight. And I'll say, but did you know that if you didn't do any of those things, like if you didn't accomplish any of that, I would still love you. Daddy doesn't love you because of the things that you do. Daddy loves you simply because you are his brightness. That's my love name for her. I don't love her because of what she does. I love her because of who she is. And may my little girl grow up to learn that her heavenly daddy's heart, just like her earthly daddy's heart, there's no love to earn. Like the, the, she doesn't have to earn God's love through good behavior. And I hope she gets some of that from me, that she doesn't have to earn my love from good behavior. You see, all of her Abba God's love is already for her. Not because what she's done, but because of who she is. And I don't want her to leave our care with a deep sense that she has to go out into the world and earn love from other people or from God. My, my son, his personality is, is much different. And in fact, if, if, he, if he makes a mistake or messes up, like, like he's so hard on himself, just very hard on himself. And so I'll hold him in my arms. And, and, and what I say to his heart a lot is, Elijah, your heart is good. You are good. Like, you are good. And even if you make a mistake or do something wrong, that does not change that you are good. You are good inside, no matter what you do. I want him to know that his behavior doesn't make him good. That, that God makes him good. And so I say, God says you're good, and I say you're good. Because I want my son to grow up and learn that he's not defined by his sin. I mean, how many of you could, would love that? Because our sins so often, that's how we think we're doing spiritually. I want him to go forward being defined by God's love and grace. And, and, and dads, let me speak to you for a second. Dads out there, we need to speak true life into our kids' hearts. If their view of God is going to be in any way flavored by us as dads, then may our words speak identity and life into them daily that they would know there's nothing you can do to make me love you more and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less because I love you. Dads, may we speak life into our children because it matters. It's important we speak life and identity into our kids because God speaks life and identity into his kids, into us. I, I need to proactively, 
speak into my children's life. And I know I need to because God, my Abba Father, proactively speaks into my life. I mean, his word is full of, of how he identifies me and how he views me as his beloved son. But even, even more, more tenderly, this past weekend, I'm, at, I'm up at a remote cabin away for a few days. I go for a walk just to clear my head and my heart, and I'm, uh, I'm out there just alone in the beauty of God's wilderness. It, it is amazing. I, I begin to pray out loud because no one can hear me. I just pray out loud, and, and then I begin to worship. That's where my prayers led me, just telling him how much I love him. And, and then I feel this prompt to quiet my heart and listen. And there I am at this cabin trying to get away from the chaos of this world and the constant churning and concern and uncertainty that I'm going through of, of what's going to happen to the church and, and all this pandemic. And in that moment, I, I hear, I feel his divine spirit speak to me. And he says, I love you so much, my son. I am so pleased with you. You are good and I created you for this. You are my beloved son. You see, I'm, when my spirit hears the life-giving words of the divine God of the universe who just happens to be my heavenly dad, it's an injection of, of identity and confidence into my spirit, the deepest core of me. And, and it cannot be rivaled by anything this world has to offer. As much as my kids need to hear from their dad, I need to hear that from my Abba. And so do you. So do you. God longs to speak to your soul. And the question is, are you making space for his voice? Are you quieting the noise of your life to, to, to hear him? Are you slowing down enough to even listen? See, you have a father, God, who personally loves your heart more than you've ever loved anybody. And he has words of life that he wants to speak to you that undoes those lies that you have throughout the years. Learning to view, to view God as, as your loving father, as your, as your heavenly dad, this is bedrock, foundational to your spiritual life, to our spiritual life. Because when it comes to faith in Jesus, you, you become, when you come to faith in Jesus, you become a child of God. It's not like some absent, apathetic, perfectionist, demanding, impersonal God, big guy in the sky. No, 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 no. Your heart can cry, Abba, just like Jesus is dead. You may know that Jesus died and rose again and forgives you. You may believe that you have heaven someday when you die. But to experience that life here on earth, it takes an understanding that you have been adopted by a father, your father, into a family. I mean, your status changed the day you believed in Jesus. But my question is, did your experience? It's kind of like Facebook. 
You know, you can go on your Facebook and change your status from, from single to in a relationship. But in reality, if you have no relationship, it doesn't really mean anything, does it? You've just changed your status. It's time that we experience God as loving Father. And so I want to challenge you this week, to, to just one week, to try it, to pray differently. And it's going to be awkward at first. It was awkward for those first around Jesus for who were hearing it. But I want you to drop the formal and repetitive prayers this week. Whatever you normally do, uh, drop it. And, and, and find some time to pray out loud in the car, in the truck, on the way to work, in the house, whatever it would be. And, and pray from your heart. Not, not the big man upstairs. This week, verbalize your prayers to Abba Father or Daddy God. I, mean, I want you to say that in a prayer. And, and know that your status has changed. You are his son, you are his daughter, and you can begin to live in that experience. Begin to realize that the relationship that he wants with you is deep, like, like more real than religious, more authentic than apathetic, more, more intimate prayers and less just imit imitating prayers that you've heard. And I want you to pray honestly. You can't offend him. You know that, right? Like, you're not that powerful. You can pray authentic. You can talk to him like you, you'd talk to somebody. Ah, oh, Father, pour out your heart. And then take some time to listen. There's a prayer that's amazing to ask him if you have a few moments of quiet. And you can ask, Abba, Father, what do you think of me? That's what I asked him last weekend up there on that mountain trail. Changes everything to hear the voice of the divine God of the universe who just happens to be your Abba Father. I mean, ask him, God, what do you, Abba Father, what do you think of me? And then just quiet yourself and listen in your heart. I mean, could you imagine if your child or someone you loved asked you that authentic question? Like, what do you think of me? How would you respond? You have to know that God wants to respond even more out of his love. He wants to speak words of life to you. And here's the final part of this teaching. You know, upon death, what we've been talking about, it changes everything. So many other religions, most, most religions, in some way claim that you lose your identity of yourself at the end. And you become one, absorbed into the energy into the whatever's next. And, and that is so sad to me. It, it's so sad to think of our loved ones who we know, who are so unique and precious to us. When they die, their uniqueness ceases to exist and they become anonymous, absorbed into the energy. It's so sad to me, losing our identity at death. You see, but this combats that because when a child of God passes from this earth, Abba Father welcomes them to his home and their unique identity that he created is still intact. That you are still you, perfected when you pass into eternity. And why, why? Because you have a Father in heaven who loves you personally and intimately. And you, you are uniquely precious to him 
And at the moment of death, Abba is there to welcome his child. Abba calls you to a life, an afterlife of of being a beloved daughter, a, a beloved son, of having that identity. And the first step to that is accepting the identity of his son, Jesus, as the son of God and declaring that he, he died and rose again. And, and right now, you can pray this prayer, and you can cross over into becoming a child of God, a beloved daughter, a beloved son, who can cry out, Abba. He said, remember, it says, I put my spirit in you that you could cry, Abba. And so, if you want to receive this salvation, if you want to become a child of God, then you pray after me, out loud if you can, right where you are. Pray this, Jesus, I believe you died and rose again. Forgive my sins. I give you my life. Holy Spirit of God, fill me now with your power. God Almighty, I am now your child. And you are my Abba Father. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that with me today, I would love for you to email me at daniel at theorchardlife.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm always loving to hear how our online church is impacting you, your family. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let me know how things are going, if you have questions or anything. Orchard online family, I'm so glad you chose to join with us today. I want you to know whether you are near or, or far, whether you're vulnerable or cautious, or maybe you're watching this at a later time. Whatever it is, you matter to us. And we're not gonna stop online church, even if tomorrow we just start meeting right in here. You matter that much to us. We're gonna continue this and we're gonna keep doing it. Orchard, I love you and I'm praying for you. Love God, love people. I'll see you next week. Thank you.